Welcome back to another episode of The Last Take here. Basketball, baseball, and also hot takes will be going on as well. Tommy Frazier, he is easily above Cam Newton. I, I highly doubt that. And Nebraska finally beat the Iowa Hawkeyes. Key players to watch, I have Casey Thompson and Anthony Grant. All-time wins-wise, we are still probably easily the best teams. How about that block punt there? That was highlight of the game for me. I mean, their safeties could not handle our receivers. That atmosphere can get pretty loud. Oh, boy. Where do you even get started? This is the last take. All right. So this past Monday, the men's national basketball national championship was on. And then that Palm Sunday was the women's basketball. LSU for the women's and UConn for the men's are your reigning champ or are your national champions. Um, I say the men's one didn't seem quite appealing as like past ones. I know last year was very unique with Kansas and North Carolina. You know, you had your blue bloods final four this year was kind of different with just UConn being the true blue blood this year. Um, which I think it's safe to say that it's UConn it, is a blue they blood are now. a blue blood five titles in the past 24 years. That's more than Kentucky and Kansas combined in the past final four or in the past 24 years. Um, but I'm just curious. Let's talk about the women's first since that happened first. Anybody by chance watch that by any chance? Yeah, I watched it uh, most of the game. I was expecting it to be a little bit more competitive. but again, More competitive is 102 to 85. Well, I'm saying like closer score. That's what I mean, competitive. Okay. I mean, it really was never really that close of a game. There's points where Iowa would uh, have a run of momentum, but it never really was able for them to break even. Um, except for the third quarter where they outscored them. Uh, 22 to 16 but other than that no it was it, this is a little bit of the problem with the Iowa Hawkeyes um, when one of their uh, players fouls out Kazano or something like that Kazano um, Kazino I think but she she, uh, she fouled out that was late that was later in the game so it mm-hmm. didn't really matter at that point but you know when you really just rely on Caitlin Clark and it's not that they shut her down or anything. It's just that when they're forcing her to take terrible shots because really towards I'd say the second half she started putting up a lot more shots. She was still making quite but a bit of them. Here's, like, if you watch the first half of that, the officiating was really Oh, bad. yeah. But yes. If you if you have rants on officiating on another game, talk about the women's championships. I think, so they, they play quarters and they reset their fouls every quarter, which I was mm-hmm. actually talking about this with um, my family members who obviously, you know, big Iowa fans. So we were talking about this on, uh, so we were celebrating Easter. But I don't like how they reset the fouls. But anyways, when you reset after every quarter... At least one team was in the bonus right away. Yeah. But I think their bonus is a difference. Like, I think it's five, maybe four fouls before mm-hmm. you get in the bonus. Um, but yeah, officiating was very terrible. If you. Yeah, they just, ins- the refs just tried to insert themselves in it. And you could see it all over social media. I mean, it, it sucks because, especially, you know, in the first two quarters, those are really crucial into like being competitive or being a close game. I should say, um, and that's when kind of the points where LSU pulled away, and then you have the bad officiating on top of it. It just makes it less enjoyable. Even even though it's still uh, ranked in a huge audience, um, deservedly so, because uh, obviously Iowa was uh, kind of the team that the country was pulling for, I'd say, with Kate and Clark. So anyways, yeah, just when you have that bad of officiating, and it's in crucial parts, like especially early in the game. I mean, that's momentum deciders right there, um, especially in basketball when you can just build up a lead, you know? And this is the national championship we're talking about. I think in the past experiences, we have had officials just kind of like let them play out, you know, just let them do their thing and whatever. And this was not the case. I remember there's just, there was a couple of flop calls, in my opinion, uh, ones that shouldn't have been called. But there's been, there's, there's controversial pick or takes a lot, but. Like what you were saying, Caitlin Clark, uh, I mean, she shot 8 for 19 from 3, which is actually a record for the most threes made in a game, men or women's. But like what you said, taking the back shots, she didn't go inside because of those fouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, yeah. she actually got called for a foul with like grabbing the wrist and then pulling behind, like what she does pretty much every drive-in. Yes. And when she got called for that, she's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I think that really impacted her game in Iowa's game as well. And then like with just, I think, just in Chazino, whatever her name was, their big girl in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that pick and roll wasn't really going as well because because she, she couldn't drive in. Yeah, she couldn't make contact. So no, I mean, there were there were some calls that should have gone Iowa's way for sure, and there were some calls even that LSU complained about. I know for Iowa, the big thing was their coach was stepping on the court a whole oh, lot. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a big thing that she should have tech for that. And uh, 
Especially when the ref had to kind of uh, nudge her out of the way. Yeah, she I pulled saw. her out of the way and got her and out. And it's kind of like, this is, I'll draw a comparison to something else. Kind of like, a, I didn't like Jim Harbaugh for the longest time because I felt like he'd always just walk on the field in that in that Nebraska-Michigan uh, game. I was getting so annoyed seeing Jim Harbaugh walk on the field, and that's the same thing with LSU. I don't dislike their coach necessarily. I just, I think she's an out there person. You know, obviously everyone I mean, she's, everyone has if, their own takes for it. But if you ha- if you've seen her fit check, that that just shows her character yeah, I, right there. I can't disrespect that, but um, no, it's just annoying seeing the coaches just be that far on the court or just any sort of field yeah. like that. It's it's annoying, and, and then get the ref trying to again nudge yeah. her out of the way. So, I mean, but this is probably going to be the last take before we get onto the men's side. But I just want to mention that LSU's bench player. Uh, Jasmine Carson, she had a really strong second mm-hmm. second quarter. Uh, she went seven for seven from the field. Five for she was five for five originally before she missed one later. Um, but coming off the bench, scoring those twenty two points really helped it. Um, Angel Reese, Angel Reese didn't really have a very strong game in my opinion. Only fifteen points, ten rebounds, and shooting five for twelve from the field. But <laughs> it was really the the bench players that really push LSU over top, and that's something Iowa couldn't do. Yeah, they didn't have the depth. And they, they only had eight bench points the whole game. Yeah, and that's something that was kind of talked about going into it, was just the depth that LSU has that Iowa didn't have. And it's kind of like kind of one of those crazy things where it's like they made it this far with not as uh, good of a bench, and then you ha- and then you beat you go. I mean, you go to the national championship game, and you're facing a team that has kind of just unlimited resources out there, you know, so. Yeah. And then transition over to the men. San Diego State making his first time appearance in the national championship. And then UConn, who has been there many times now, uh, possibly submitting themselves as a blue blood. Uh, Charlie, I know we, t- you talked about it earlier, and I think you're pretty much the only one that out of this group, at least maybe watch it from beginning to end maybe. So just give us your thoughts about that. Yeah, so I, I saw quite a bit of the game, and really it was just – you could just tell, as I think a lot of people knew coming in, that UConn was the better team than San Diego State. And throughout the game, they just they looked like the better team. San Diego State went on a bit of a run there in the second half, but at the end of the day, UConn was just too much. And we've just been talking about how dominant they've looked all tournament long. Closest game ended up being the Final Four game against Miami. Still won that by 13 points and didn't really seem like they ever were not in control there. And I saw an interesting stat the other day on Twitter. I was wondering how this run, how this, how dominant they've looked, has compared to some of the other dominant teams we've seen in the NCAA tournament in past years. So I was thinking about that Villanova team back in 2018 and how good they were. I think all five of those guys on that team ended up going to the NBA. That team was just so much better than everybody else. But UConn, I saw, was beating teams by more than they were this tournament. So I thought that was interesting. And, yeah, just at the end of the day, I think best team in college basketball this year. And in a tournament where we saw a lot of upsets, we see Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue. We see Princeton go to the Sweet 16. Kansas, the defending champ, losing in the second round. So I think UConn just showed, you know, they can go through this all all tournament long. Really weren't tested, I don't think, uh, at least no close games. And then... I think another uh, one other thing that I found kind of interesting is UConn did not lose a single game not in the Big East this year. Yeah, undefeated in non-conference play and undefeated. beating teams like Alabama is the big one that pops out. So that's right. They beat yeah Alabama back in that uh, tournament in Portland that they did uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and then I don't know. Yeah, and they finished fourth in the Big East, which is just crazy. Yeah, Creighton beat them twice. Creighton, yep. And then uh, yeah, just I think uh, Xavier. Xavier Marquette. They went in a streak where else. they're where they're unranked too, and that was kind of a thing to note. And I I want to say this. I I hated that, or I should say, go back on it. You know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I I should have gave UConn a little bit more respect. Um, Big East is just the best conference in my opinion for basketball, or at least competitive wise. I think this and, year. Yeah, this year, and I'd I'd say a lot. Quite often, they are one of the more competitive. Uh, tournament teams at least or like tournament conferences um but UConn I mean they were unranked at one point and that was kind of when they went on a losing streak I was today I was going back through it because I'm like you know those eight losses I kind of wanted to look at specifically what were kind of like the key ones and then they had a string of those losses together um and I was like wow that's crazy that this team that dominated in the tournament 
played that bad in a stretch of games throughout the year. But yeah, I mean, UConn's UConn. Yep. I mean, you're losing a three to Xavier, but and they lost to Xavier twice. They lost to Creighton by three. Uh, later on, they lost to Marquette by two in the conference tournament. But three losing games. They lost five games and seven. <laughs> they lost five out of seven games to Which is Xavier. Is pretty big. Yeah, Providence. They got a big win over Creighton, but then they lose to Marquette. St. John's was a surprise one, and then. Uh, Seton Hall was another big one. And then they beat Butler, then they uh, lose to Xavier. But I also forgot to mention this in the intro. We actually have a guest on our show, uh, Trevor Darnell. <laughs> get that. He's sitting right there. You know, from my We're view, going the motions, my view your mic stands. Like, going through the motions. Right? So, so he yeah, just blends in with mics? Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently, I just blend in with mic stands now. Hey, I'm Trevor's going to spew his hot takes, of course. Right. We'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll, Trevor, see. we'll see how many hot takes I have on here. Yeah, but yeah. what do you have a hot take about uh, the championship game by any chance, or just overall thoughts on it? No, I like. I came into the tournament uh, had UConn in my Final Four actually, but uh, by the time it was a Sweet Sixteen, I was like, this is the team that's going to win it all with all the upsets, all the big names going down. Uh, by the time it got to Elite Eight, I was like, UConn's winning this. There's no way they can't win this at this point. So. Not surprising. It was either UConn or Texas, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. when the Elite Eight, but then when Miami beat Texas, I'm like, all right, it's, it's yeah. definitely UConn. Yeah. I got a little bit of a hot take here. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, Trevor. You can, you guys can talk after this. Um, so, like, I talked about this with uh, Charlie in Experience Lab, and I was like, you know, I love March Madness, but once it kind of gets down to the Final Four, I just don't have as much interest in it. Like, I was watching other things besides the Final Four and besides the championship game. And I was like, I just didn't really draw interest in it. I don't know why. It's just I feel like later on in the tournament, you kind of lose some of that pizzazz. Um, and I, so, especially with the teams that were left, I, left, say, I, I think like, just this year it was different. Yeah, like, I remember last year I was getting really hyped for it because like, mm-hmm. it was your true blue blood. And it was also Coach K's final year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, I know that was a really big hype. There's just... And like this, just sports in general, but you always have to sell something. Like even for the women's championship, it wasn't LSU for Iowa; it was Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark. Like mm-hmm. that's what really sold the crowd, and that's what really drew in the the people. This one, it there was nothing to sell, and that's why I yep. don't think it was much as a like a draw in as much because I was like we had our commu- learning community floor hours, and I was folding laundry watching a movie when the championship was on. Yep, like, and, I, and I was watching a terrible Monday Night Raw, which <laughs> I don't know which was better there, but. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's nothing to sell. So I was watching YouTube. That might probably, be better. Yeah, that, that's probably. I don't know what I was watching, but dude, perfect probably. That's better. <laughs> that is better. <laughs> but yeah, um, we're gonna tr- uh, now. Anyone else have any final thoughts on the game by any chance? Um, I could care less. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I just had no like interest. It's baseball season now, so yeah, yeah. that's what I've been focused on. I think I was watching baseball games. I'm yeah. focused until about June. Yep. Till about June, and then the Royals are just the bottom of the Central. So, <laughs> so I think that's the Tigers. That's a great segue. I say, it? funny you mentioned that because I think we're getting ready right into transition to baseball. So, Dylan, you mentioned the Royals, and I know you're a big fan of them. Uh, yeah. And just tag along, me too. Of course. Yeah, I say, and Blake as well. He's going to be talking about this as well. You can talk about the Royals if you want. You can talk about Husker baseball if you want. I'll um, do both. Okay, so well, we can. Bo- How about you do Nebraska baseball? Well, I said just start, just start well, with baseball, and I can add on to yeah. it. Yeah. So I'll start with the Royals. Um, yeah, we didn't get our first we didn't get our first win until yesterday. Um, in fact, before uh, our game on Sunday, we had not scored a run yet. Yep, we lost for both first uh, for the, the first two games two to nothing. We got shut out, played like crap, um, and then against the Twins on Sunday, we won or we lost seven to four. I don't know we. Somehow score four runs and we still find a way to lose. Then we turn around yesterday. We play the Blue Jays. We were up big. Like, I think it was like nine to one at one point. I believe actually it was. And then we, they, uh, the Blue Jays started chipping away and it got a little scary. There was twice, happened twice in like three innings. The Blue Jays had the bases loaded. Not good. Pitching has not been um, a strength for the Royals, and well, we almost lose, but we ended up winning nine to five. It was a little scary. We were watching it on ESPN yeah. for, some, for some reason. Yeah, because we can't get it on MLB TV because we're blacked out out here. The dumb blackouts. Yeah, that's that's terrible. I've I seen. found I found a, a cheat code I have. I just turn off my Wi-Fi and then it works. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, makes sense. 
But yeah, and then um, currently we're playing and we are losing. So two to one at at the end of the fifth. You have anything, Blake? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but it was, it was just disappointing seeing no offense until the third game. And I, th- I really thought we had an all right offense. Yeah, I mean, a lot that of, could be the bright spot of, for the Royals this year. The a lot of young, a lot of youth. I mean, all of our top prospects from like the last two years are now on our starting roster, excluding Perez. He's just our he's our veteran, but I don't know, just. Not fun. Um, I just, it's not fun to watch when pitching is so bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then just our, no our, offense. Our bullpen so. is not great. Yeah. I mean, our top, uh, our top reliever is Amir Garrett. Yeah, that's lovely. He's all right. He's At okay. Times. Yeah. Uh, today, Chris Bubich started. Um, he's not good either. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we're all right. I mean, I've said this a while. I don't know. And this is gonna happen now, but our Tippy top ceiling is 500, so which is not bad in the AL. No, this so. could be tough this year. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Husker baseball, we're doing pretty good, I think. I mean, we did all right last clean weekend. Up, clean up some of the some of the away wins. I'd say is just like kind of like it sucks. We've talked about it before, but just you know that that loss to Omaha, that loss to Creighton, and. Albany Christian is a good team, so I'm actually fine with that loss because we didn't lose by that much. We were yeah, down five to one, and we had a two run shot, or mm-hmm. five to nothing, I think, something like that. Max Anderson hit a home run, as he does, because he just hits dingers. Him and Bryce Matthews just hit dingers. Um, right now, we're up uh, four to one. As, as I am the, currently watching it, actually, that yeah. was what I was doing when you guys were talking about the college uh, basketball game. So. <laughs> um, so this would be another uh, good win, and then we got a huge series um, at Michigan. That won't not that won't be easy, no. At all. Um, but then we're back in Lincoln and uh, versus Omaha on the eleventh. Yep. Just right now, I I feel like Husker baseball is it's we're at kinda, a crossroads almost. Like we just gotta like it is. You know, I think we have the capabilities to win some games and be really good this year. But it's just that like you see games where where it's just that like. The old Nebraska pops up, or the early in the season Nebraska pops up. I guess we're still sort of early in the season. Um, yeah, we haven't really even fully started our Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, you just lose mistakes. You know, the pitching and stuff like that. You know, there's glimpse, there's hope there that it is, but you just we can never get consistent, and it's just a bug that has kind of caught all of our pitchers besides like two. You know, so I mean, like Coases. Yep. With um. Kaminska and um, I'm blinking. Yeah, I can't think of um. Oh, I, this actually pisses me off. Um, keep talking. <laughs> um, yeah. So just that that bug that has caught us. It's like you know, even when other players try to go in there or other pitchers get put in, they end up performing badly. But I think that. We're our team knows that we're good. You know, we've had some big wins. Some high offensively, sports. we offensively, are very they know they're never out of a game. I, f- I feel like you know, I just I never see us kind of getting down and out. Obviously, it's shown we almost came back and won that Illinois game. We almost came back and won the Albany Christian game. There's been other games throughout the year where we've been behind and gave them a good run for their money. So, um, the old Miss game, while that was five to fourteen, that still was. We that's one of the best teams in the country. So, or I don't know where they actually, now. actually don't. They're, I've seen yeah. them. Been, I've seen them been losing uh, recently. I'm um, not sure they're, well, but our win over Vanderbilt baseball. So, but their their win over our win over Vanderbilt is huge because they're. I think they're one of the best teams in the country right now. The so, top five. Um, yeah, it's we've cleaned up more. Mis- we've cleaned up a lot of mistakes, but still, we we do have a ways to go. I feel like with pitching. Um, yeah, you look at the Sunday starters. I want to say we're one in three, one in four on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's, that's just Emmett Olson's the other pitcher. Yes, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, so I think that's just something that hinders our getting in a groove and stuff. It's hard to get in a groove when you can't sweep a team. Yeah, that's that's something that I thought was going to be solved. And then we can't we, win the midweek when we finally yeah, the midweek. Yeah. I mean, we we won our first midweek in a long time, or like I don't know. Let's see. Midweek, so like uh, excluding like, yeah. So we lost, excluding Northern Colorado, yeah, we did not win a single. We haven't won really a really a single um, midweek game. 
Yeah. Until last week. So. So you saw it on Friday, Saturday, but those midweek and Sunday games. Well, yeah, Friday, Saturdays were good. We have our yeah. both for two pit best pitchers. They're both five and one on the year. Yeah. And they've pitched very well. I mean, we seen them at the Illinois game. Kamiska was dealing, and then Emmett Olson did pretty good on Friday night. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. And then Emmett Olson did really good job. Did a really really good job against Texas A and M Corpus Christi. We ended up winning that twelve to one. Offense was r- rolling. Yeah. So I don't know. This will be a big win though today if we if we keep the lead. If we keep the lead, um, four to one at the top of the eighth, I believe. So because we got to settle in now. Yeah, I mean, these, we have this... a runner on first. Yeah. So these are these are your important stretch of games. You get into Big Ten play. Um, you know, you got Omaha right in between before we go to um, Northwestern for a series. So it's in Lincoln. Yep. So it's these are your, you're going to the crucial part of the season. And if again, it's it's all about cleaning up mistakes. Yeah. And I can and we can preach it a thousand times in here, but it's just true. I mean, as as if, one, once the pitching gets a little bit better and more consistent, I'd say as then, we get past this Michigan series, we have Omaha, then Northwestern, like you said, then we have Creighton mm-hmm. at home. And then this is probably the biggest series of the year, in my opinion, on the road at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Iowa is one of the better teams in the country. They're if probably the best team in the Big Ten right now. Although they've they've lost to Maryland, so th- right now they're still the best team, in my opinion. They've Maryland hasn't. They've lost a lot of games. It's also still early in the season, but they didn't win a single game when they were in the Minneapolis thing. So, and they played the same teams as us. Mm-hmm. So that's I'd, a big loss in Hawaii. Huh? They played Hawaii then. Maryland did. I believe they lost them. So that, that's a big yeah. loss for them. But Maryland, uh, they're they're right up there with just like the teams that are in contention right now. So like, I mean, Maryland's seventeen and ten. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any Big Ten team is fan- is like well, the Big crazy. Ten's not fantastic anyways. But, yeah. So, I mean, Iowa they did beat I a ranked Iowa team twice, but they still lost on Sunday. So. That doesn't help, but we'll see how that go how it goes the rest of the year. Hopefully, we can get things rolling. Hopefully, we yeah, end up being good. But um, I'll move it over to Mark. He can talk about the Brewers, since I know he's a big Brewers fan. Yeah, so the Brewers are <clears throat> three and one right now. They're currently leading five zero, top of the uh, bottom of the sixth, with one out against the the Mets. Brewers are Mets. the good old Mets with Pete Alonso. So the Brewers are off to a strong start so far this season, which is great because we need it. And yeah, what do? You, how are the? Uh, who's Charlie's team? Mariners. Well, I was going to say we should uh, just keep talking. Yeah, just keep talking about the Brewers, just because. I mean, you got. I mean, sure. What what are the games looking forward to you here? Have to say you got to educate. You got to educate us as like we don't know the Brewers. Honestly, I don't really fall NL anyways so so yeah the Brewers obviously they play in the NL Central um, which is somewhat of a tough division it can be tough especially with the the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs because uh, the Reds and the Pirates aren't really that they haven't been com- uh, competitive yeah that's the word I was looking for um, but you know the Brewers after failing to make the playoffs last season um we didn't really add as much offense as I would have liked, but the Brewers still have a... I think if the Brewers do well this year, they'll definitely make the playoffs in the postseason. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have, Trevor. How about them Cubs? How about them Cubbies? Uh, go Cubs, go. Amazing. You, you, only, you, only, you only lost to the worst team in baseball. Yeah, we only right? lost to the Reds. That's, that's, yeah. um, that's about how I expected this season to go, <laughs> not going to lie. Kind of still rebuilding. We'll see our offense, maybe. We got some big names offseason. Eric Hosmer, Cody Bellinger, Dansby Swanson. Eric Hosmer is still a big name? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I like, remember when he used to play for the presence. Royals. Oh, yeah, he's... I'm not saying any of those guys are that good. They're they're decent, but it'll be interesting to see. I got a question for you, Trevor. Yeah. Um. So like, my mom's a huge Cubs fan, and it's like, what do you? When you said rebuilding. What do you? What do you mean by that? I'm a little uneducated in the MLB scene. So like, like tell me about like what like what that comes from. Yeah, it's just gonna be 
developing players, seeing if we can get some of our young guys to uh, develop better in the, not develop better, but develop in the minor leagues, uh, get up to that major league status and uh, make an impact on the major league team. I was going to say, it's because two years ago, you guys traded all your big names when you won uh the World Series back in 2016. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and I mean, Chris, Bry- Chris, Chris Bryant, Bryant um, Anthony Rizzo, yeah. Javier Baez, all gone in the same day. That was a tough day for me. <laughs> Luckily, but, Javier Baez hasn't been any better. So no, no, which great. is not that surprising. He likes he to just, swing a lot. He's a free swinger. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, our pitching just is not good. When you have your ace as Marcus Stroman, that. That's not. That's not routine. horrible. It's not horrible, but for this he's, year, I mean, Dansby Swanson's pretty good. He, he's has he's, been. Yeah, Cody Bellinger's on the down. Um, Eric Hosmer's up there in age. It's just Nico Horner will be one of our better offensive guys. Seiya Suzuki, once we get him back from uh, injury, he'll be good. Hopefully, so it, we have some promising spots. It's just pitching is definitely a down. Part of our, hmm. uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Sounding, it sounds a lot like the Royals, but maybe a slightly better offense. I honestly think the Cubs offense. are better than the Royals. Yeah, so. I, I agree with that. I think Cubs are around a 500 team. Um, the Royals right, are they, not. So. I think they're going to, no offense to Mark, but I think they're going to kind of compete with the Brewers for second and third in division. I don't think. I think Cardinals are going to run away with the NL I Central. Say, I don't think it's going to be a competition. No, Cardinals run away with that division. Dog fight second and third with Brewers Cubs probably Brewer, definitely Brewers with the upper edge there but we'll see uh, and then dog fight down at the bottom Pirates and Reds for uh, bottom feeders but who gets the better pick <laughs> exactly <laughs> I I think it's gonna be Reds it'll be interesting but yeah all right so uh, uh, yeah I mean I think I mentioned it we talked about baseball. MLB just on the uh, on the radio on Saturday. I don't really follow. I mean, m- mainly just kind of scoreboard watch throughout the year. But the Mariners are my team, being from Seattle, as I said, and uh, pretty rough start to the year for them. One and four after an opening day win against Cleveland. They lost uh, next three, so lost three or four there, and then lost again last night to the Angels. So uh, definitely high expectations. I know for the Mariners coming into the year after making the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years last year uh so a lot of people were expecting that and then maybe to go a little bit further as well but not a great start to the year but still a long season so i know a lot of my friends back home are overreacting after the first five or six games but it's uh it's a I, long th- I personally think you guys will be a definite competitor for the division it's tough to f- you know the astros but i I think the Mariners are going to be up there. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Mariners. Definitely. They're at least a playoff team. Playoff lock. I think they're going to make a deep run, especially with uh, Castillo as your ace. It's he he locks things down. So yeah, I know that's tough. been. You have promising for J Rod, and you have Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, I think our offense just needs to get going. From what I've seen, it's, it's yeah, it's early, it's early though. So yeah, I I won't. How many games are left? One hundred eighty. 157 or something. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, shake, you gotta shake the rust. You gotta shake the rust off, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we learned that from Husker baseball. You know, just gotta shake the rust off and then find ways to win games. So, I mean, yeah. Start 0 3 1 and then win a few. So, yep. can't complain about that. Yep. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick pause over here and then we are gonna discuss some more sports. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Hit that music, Anthony. I'm going to hit it over to Blake. And kind of two segments and one will be a little bit different. We will still have Blake check, but, you know, a huge sporting event that I'm a big fan of. Okay, I love WWE. I know some of our fans may not understand that. Okay, I'm not going to go in that route right now. But let's just look over it because we cover almost every major sport. And I think, um, you know, for their biggest event, I think uh, uh, WWE deserves their flowers, at least for night one. Okay, night one, let's go over it. United States Championship match, Austin Theory versus John Cena. Austin Theory had the title before the match. He retained. Um, quick thoughts on this. A little cheap of an ending. Um, you know, low blow when the ref didn't see it. Um, and it was kind of nothing really produced to that much I mean you didn't really even see the greatest hits from John Cena like his moves you saw a few of them but it, it just 
nothing simmered in that match. Like when I was watching it, I just I just saw it and I was like, all right, this is happening. And then it was over. And I'm like, all right, we're on to the next match. And which the next match was uh, the SmackDown. Um, uh, actually, no, that is, this is not the order of the. Wait, hold on, let me think. Yeah, this is this is the order. Never mind. Um, SmackDown Women's Championship: Charlotte Flair versus uh, Rhea Ripley. Uh, Charlotte Flair had the title going in, and then Rhea Ripley ended up winning, um, which I think is a great move. Uh, actually, that was later in the night. I mean, anyways, who cares about the order? Anyways, um, Rhea Ripley ended up winning. Uh, Charlotte Flair took a huge bump. Her nose, she got like a road rash on the on the canvas, and that was a pretty hard-hitting match. Rhea Ripley deserves her flowers, and she won that one. Um, and then you had... Uh, a good one with uh, Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul and the mystery prime bottle. Um, first, I want to talk about Logan Paul's entrance. So WWE outlawed uh, riding in on like something suspended from the ceiling. Shawn Michaels zipline. Shawn Michaels did it at one of his. Uh, I think it was WrestleMania. I'm pretty sure, or maybe not. I can't remember. But he uh, he did that, and that was one of the coolest entrances of all time. But you know. Uh, wrestler Owen Hart passed away in KC um, during one of the pay- one of the pay-per-views they had and back in the 90s because of like he did one of those things and I was surprised to see Logan Paul actually hoisted on a zip line and he came in and it was pretty fun seeing that because I'm a huge advocate for Logan Paul in the WWE he's a fantastic uh, wrestler he can get a little bit better at the promos and his uh, heel work but um, yeah that match was uh, pretty entertaining of course um, Seth Rollins is one of the greatest technical wrestlers and just pro wrestlers right now who can just sell anything. He can do any move. Um, fantastic character work there. And then <laughs> the best part of the match, finding out that the prime bottle, that was uh, that was KSI unveiling the mask, and that was really funny. And then uh, 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 Logan Paul doing a frog splash off the top of the top rope onto the announce desk um and yeah it was good seeing afterwards also um ksi still selling it going out on a stretcher and everything it was it was just fun uh, continuing the story there um and then you had a uh, um damage control which was uh versus uh, becky lynch uh, leader trish status that was a pretty good match um it was at a part of the night where it was just kind of like hard to get the crowd involved um but overall pretty solid match and then you had um uh, Dominic Mysterio versus his dad Ray Mysterio and entrances for that were really awesome Dominic coming in in uh, the paddy wagon uh, being uh, still uh, under arrest with the cuffs on and everything or just uh, entering him to the ring and then Ray Mysterio coming out to with Snoop Dogg on his low rider and then Viva La Raza playing which honestly it, it got me a little emotional because I was like you know, I never got to watch Eddie growing up, but I just know how much he means to the WWE universe and WWE fans. Um, so him, uh, that was a great match. Um, seeing this stuff go back and forth, and Rey Mysterio ultimately winning uh, just a day after he got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um, and then in the middle, kind of uh, of the night, was uh, the men's showcase, which I knew would steal the show, and it did. Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. Everyone in that match was fantastic. Um, Braun Strowman was good. Ricochet was especially good. Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, one of my favorite tag teams right now, won that match. Um, but yeah, just great match. I kind of sold the show that night. And then the main event of night one, which was the Usos, who are the defending uh, tag champions, who have both the Raw and SmackDown tag titles, um, versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And I made a tweet before uh, night one and I was like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to win but Cody Rhodes is going is to lose and I got night one right where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens won because I mean that's just like that's a feel good pick I mean they're great wrestlers but it was just a feel good pick of like the storyline you know you got to have one of the bloodline lose and I think the Usos were going to fall victim to that and they did but great night one you know after night one I just felt like kind of felt like how I was last year. I'm like, oh my God, things are great. I can't wait for night two. Night two starts. And what do we get started with? We get started with um, Brock Lesnar versus Omos, which was pretty good short match, but still pretty good. Brock Lesnar um, with some suplexes to Omos and then hit the F5. (laughs) Brock looked absolutely gassed after that. Um, 
But that was, I guess, something. Uh, Brock Lesnar ended up winning there, and it was an all-right match. Then he had the Women's Showcase, which, honestly, I didn't really pay much attention to because, again, it was at a part of the night where it was like just hard to get into and kind of like your filler type thing. I was a little disappointed in that, but... Um, yeah, and then you go on to uh, the Intercontinental match, which I know, Dylan, you watch, so if you want to have anything to say about uh, the Intercontinental match. You can just talk. Okay. Um, Gunther uh, had the Intercontinental title going into it, and he left with it. Hard-hitting match. I mean, this is some of the stuff you can't fake in wrestling is, uh, you know, all the smacks to the chest and stuff like that. I mean, that is your hard-hitting stuff, and, you know, there's photos on uh, Instagram and Twitter of just... Uh, Sheamus and Drew both being beat up after that match. I wanted Sheamus to win because he still hasn't won the IC title. Um, I felt like Gunther was a little lacking a little bit there in the match. Um, but again, that's a lot, a lot of people like Gunther, especially a lot of the diehard wrestling fans do. I'm not 100% sold on him yet, but it was a great match. And then you had um, uh, Bianca Belair versus uh, Asuka. Bianca Belair had the a Raw women's uh, title going in and um, she uh, she left with it. It was a good match, uh, very solid. Uh, I was a little disappointed in the storylines going into it because I just felt like you didn't really let them develop, and so I didn't really feel like it would be right to have uh, Bianca lose to Asuka. Bianca ended up winning. And then you had uh, the Hell in a Cell match, Edge versus Finn Balor, which kind of took an unexpected turn um, where uh, – uh, Finn Balor got hit in the head with a ladder and it, he didn't block it with his hands like you're normally supposed to and he had to get stitches or not stitches um, staples during the match and he ended up performing and still doing good match was cut a little bit short um, but overall pretty solid Edge coming out the winner there and I forgot to mention two of the, the Miz matches um, night one Miz match uh, uh, wrestled Pat McAfee which was fantastic to see him back love whenever Pat does his stuff with wrestling and it's honestly kind of sucked that he hasn't been back as much um and then oh god on sunday you know the night i was just kind of like all right we're going through it and then shane o'mac comes out and i honestly like shane o'mac just because he puts his body on the line well he definitely put his body on the right on the line there and tore his um i think ah shoot tore his or tore his quad to um, not even 20 seconds into the match, comes out there, does his little dance thing, and my friend who I'm watching it with absolutely hates Shane O'Mac, and I'm like, all right, yeah, Shane O'Mac, or whatever, he's going to do it. Um, goes out there, wrestles The Miz, <laughs> does what his dad does, and tears quad, and oh my God, what a nightmare that was on. And then you had the main event, which is Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns had the, Roman Reigns had the title going in, he left with it. Man, that left me disappointed. I I can understand the thought of having Roman Reigns win, but I just kind of thought WWE might pull the trigger there because the fans, he had the full support. Um, and then just kind of ending off things with uh, last night, Monday Night Raw, I just want to say that what a terrible night. Probably the worst Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania ever. Um, the ending of that with Brock Lesnar coming out and uh, kind of just destroying Cody Rhodes was... Well, honestly, made me disgusted, and I'm not I'm not a person who gets super attached to everything in WWE because, I mean, obviously it's fake, you know? They're going to create up storylines to drop entertainment, but I just don't really like the direction they're going right now, especially with Vince McMahon being back. I think that's a terrible, terrible thing for the product of WWE, but yeah, that's just a little bit of showcase there, and uh, pretty uh, quick uh, Blake check segment. Kyle Larson won uh, Richmond, which was a surprisingly good race. Um uh, yeah, just good racing there with the new short track package. Um, and then moving on to Bristol, Kyle Larson won it, or excuse me, Kyle Bush won it last year on a last lap pass after Briscoe took out Tyler Reddick. Um, going to be interesting. I think there's some rain for the forecast, so I don't really know how that's going to play out because rain affected the race last year. Um, but with the next gen cars, I think they're actually kind of raced pretty good on the Bristol dirt. You got a little bit of grooves that can run the bottom, they can run the top. Um, I'm looking for uh Tyler. Actually, yeah, we'll watch this. Yes, this so. is it's 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 one of those races where like it's dirt, it's a gimmick, man. You you watch it because it's something different. And I think uh Tyler Reddick will be the one of the people to beat because I mean he just around the wall, kind of that dirt track style is where he thrives best. Um it's gonna be interesting though. I I don't really know what to expect compared to last year. 
Um, but yeah, my my pick for the race, I think uh, Tyler Reddick will get one back from last year. All right, say I remember the NASCAR fantasy that I'm part of. So, mm-hmm. um, I once again I'm gonna critique you in my lineup. So I got Joey Logano in this one. I know he's had quite a f- good experiences on dirt tracks. Well, he he won the, the first Bristol dirt race in 2021. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm gonna go with last year's winner, Kyle Busch. I think he does the same thing. I haven't used him actually this year, so. I think this kind of you know that's that's what I had with Byron you know I didn't use him yet and unfortunately that stung me when he he was dominating the race and then he uh, got wrecked on one of the late race restarts so I was pretty upset with that but that's actually you know kind of like the thing you have to play out you know you only have ten uses for the driver in the regular season so you don't really know and I was going to use Kyle more of like the speedaways like Daytona <laughs> and then in June I know kind of a Talladega maybe even uh, uh, there's another one I think. They haven't gone to Atlanta yet. I they went to Atlanta once, but they'll go, they'll go back to in. Yep, uh, I think that's another in place July. I was thinking about putting him in. But then I'm going to go with the guy who probably dominates in dirt track, uh, Kyle Larson. Yeah, he's. I think he's, he's probably a good the pick. Si- but you know, it's just one of those things where like he's almost too good of a pick, and then something and happens. Probably like, blows it. So but like he's probably the- a he's probably the safest bet for it though because because yes. what he has done on on dirt reminds me a lot of like Tony Stewart. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm going to go with NASCAR's sleeper pick here, Martin Truex Jr. I know he's kind of had a kind of a struggle this year so far. Yeah. Um. All right. Um, um, this past weekend, he had a little bit of a controversy with his crew chief. His crew chief not telling him he was on older tires and kind of just them uh, just, cussing each other back yeah. and forth on the radio. But I think he's a good pick because he's just uh, someone that will just show up there and kind of be like, oh, my goodness, he's in the top 10. Yep. And then uh, I'm, I'm actually – I picked Tyler Reddick before you mentioned that, so don't think that you influenced me on that. <laughs> okay. um, I yeah, also, let it be known. I also haven't picked him yet this year, and he – I just actually had a win before and – uh, just kind of doing thing. I know he has had uh, dirt track history, mm-hmm. and then my, in my garage, I mean, he's a guy I've used twice, but I feel like you can trust him sometimes. Uh, Brad Keselowski, mm-hmm. um, this you know he's been really solid this year. He's kind of been solid. Uh, just don't know what like to put in your garage because once again, if you put him into your starting lineup, then that's actually a use that you have to use. So, um, but yeah. Anyways, we're gonna transition over charlie this is gonna be charlie's own segment we have blake chase and blake check yeah blake check i keep saying blake chase i don't know why <laughs> uh blake check but charlie do you have a name for your own segment or do not yet well i don't know i didn't know this was becoming a segment but i did for the first time we talked about it on the radio on saturday just for about two minutes uh briefly and then now we have another hockey fan on here oh yeah good old trevor trevor our guest today, who is a Carolina Hurricanes fan, and uh, they're right now. They've kind of they were competing there with Boston, a little behind them for a while there earlier in the year, but now they're just kind of falling back a little bit with the rest of the teams that are behind Boston. Uh, so I guess what we can talk about we got the Stanley Cup playoffs starting here, not this weekend, but the next, and we can just talk about it. I guess I can ask you what are your thoughts now on Carolina at this point? Um, I know you guys lost Andre uh, Svechnikov earlier. Was it a torn ACL? Or? I believe it was a torn ACL, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's definitely hurt us a lot. Um, we've picked it up past couple games, but we went on a good little three-game skid there for a little bit. So, uh, and our scoring has definitely diminished since Fetchikov went down and um, has gotten the fan base kind of riled up because Hurricanes did not make any really big moves at the trade deadline. They just kind of were content with uh, the depth of the roster, made two moves um, on average forwards, I want to say, maybe below average. Um, and now Svechkov's down, scoring is diminished, fan base is kind of riled up and panicking. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I predict the second round exit for them. And you guys you guys have lost a couple times in the second round, it seems like. Is that, well, you did get to the, did you get to the Eastern Conference final one year? I think you did, right? Possibly, I haven't been. But you haven't been to the Stanley Cup. I know that we we won it well in, recently. I mean, yeah, yeah, we won it a good amount of years back. But right. yeah, we haven't been too relevant as of late. We had uh, four years ago was the first time we got back in the playoffs in a long time. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if our offense can pick it up, uh, and then see who comes out of the East. With you think uh, we were talking about this during the breaks a little bit. Uh, you're saying Boston. I agree with these this a little bit. Boston's President Cup uh, 
curse you think that's going to live on? President's Trophy curse, yeah. I think Boston right now, they've got five games left. If they win four of them, they break the record for most points in a season, yeah. which is currently held by the Montreal Canadiens, who uh, back, it was like the 1976-77 season, and which is something that I was, I was just looking at their last five. Their last game is against Montreal, at oh, Montreal, wow. so that'd be quite the story. That would be that'd be if crazy. They could beat their record at Montreal, and Montreal's not good at all this season. No, uh, I think they're like second to last in the East. Only Columbus is below them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so they've got a uh, Toronto and New Jersey. Their next two games, those aren't going to be easy. Both those teams are in the playoffs right now, and uh, but that's I think right now that's the biggest storyline for me. And then I'm a Colorado Avalanche fan, so we won the Stanley Cup last year. I think a lot of Avs fans know that this team isn't as good. And right now, we finally are going to get our captain, Gabriel Landeskog, back here pretty soon. He's, he hasn't played all year, so he's going to be back. And uh, right now, they've got two games still in hand. Dallas and Minnesota, who are both ahead of them in the Central are two points ahead of them, but the Avs have played two less games than them, so they can jump both those teams here in the last couple of games and win the Central. Um, Vegas right now, Golden Knights are number one in the West. So those are just kind of a few of the things I'm uh, looking at. I guess the East, I, I haven't been following the East quite as closely, but I see the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the wild card there. Uh, Florida is still in contention along with Buffalo and Ottawa. So last couple of games here, a lot of things can happen. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. We, I don't know if this is the last, last time. Unless this, I don't know if this is becoming a segment now. I mean, the playoffs are coming, so you might as well talk about we, them, right? We could yeah. do that. Um, I guess I could just if you wanted to give a prediction right now with your Stanley Cup, if you had to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we still got a week and a half left in the season, so perhaps that would, you know, in a week and a half would be a better time, yeah, to do that. But uh, if you if you had one, I. <sighs> It's hard to say. You think the first thought is obviously Bruins, the team that is, like you said, about to maybe break the points record in a season. It's hard to bet against them, but also the presence trophy curse. Um, I think a team out of the East wins it. I don't think the West is as strong as it has been in the past. I think um, the Metropolitan, especially in the East, Canes, Devils, Rangers, those are three very good teams. Um I think it's either going to be the Bruins or uh, team out of the Metropolitan. I think Rangers have a shot, big shot, with a couple of big names they acquired in the off or uh, in the at the trade deadline. Um, I'm just going to go with the Bruins. So even with that curse, it's hard to bet against them. They're going to break the curse this year. Though. Yeah, it's just hard to bet against them. Team that good, that historic. It's yeah. Yeah, I'm and I think yeah, you brought up the Rangers too, who I think are really after they had a two, they were up two nothing against Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Final last year. And yeah, the, they had a like two goal lead in Game Three, had a chance to basically put that series to bed and advance to the Stanley Cup, and yeah. then they lost four in a row. So I know they're extra motivated, and they mm-hmm. get Patrick Kane and uh, Vladimir Tarasenko this uh, this uh, during the trade deadline. So. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking at them out of the East and then out of the West. Yeah, I don't really think it's as strong just because there's a lot of teams that I would pick. Like I think right now, if I had to say my Stanley Cup champion, I would go with the Rangers. But out of the West, kind of similar to out of, um, in the East, last year the Edmonton Oilers went to the Western Conference Final. They looked like a pretty good team, and then they got swept by Colorado. So I know this year they've got motivation. They want to get back to the Stanley Cup, so they're another team that I look at. Uh, I mean, Vegas and the Kings, I just don't know how good the Pacific is because in yeah. past years it hasn't been good. Especially so, come time playoffs, they, they've they, kind of teetered off. Like you said, Oilers, Kings swept in the Western Conference Finals against the Avs. Um, and then Vegas did make it to the Stanley Cup that first year, but... Haven't been back since, No, though, they, so. they had an off year, it felt like, last year. Yeah. Yeah, Pacifics could be interesting. I'm I'm interested. I mean, yeah, being an Avs fan, I'm obviously hopeful that they get far. And also, I, I mentioned it on Saturday. Since I'm from Seattle, they just got their new team last year, the Seattle Kraken. Okay. So that's kind of a fun team. I kind of root for them as well. I said it on the podcast. I don't have an NBA team, so I kind of have two NHL teams. But uh, Seattle, 
Yeah, they're uh, right now they're in a wild card spot as well. So if the Avs win the Central, they might play Seattle in the first round, which would be interesting to see. But that'd be a fun matchup there. Kraken are a good team this year, especially after being terrible last season. It's been a great story to watch them this year. I know it's been it's been surprising. They've yeah. uh, they've really I think they've exceeded my expectations, and I think a lot of other people's as well. But yeah, the, I think the West. I, there's a number of teams you could see coming out of it. Minnesota was playing well, really well, uh, and then they just lost their last two games. So. A lot of things can happen, but just excited now. Stanley Cup playoffs, one of my favorite times of the year coming up. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll wrap that up for, for now. Do you have an idea of like what your segment's going to be called by any chance? I haven't thought of anything yet. Uh, well, spend the next week thinking about it until Saturday. Or say that's your assignment. Actually, we won't be here Saturday. Yeah. So. Just say that's your assignment right. due next week, all right? All right. <laughs> Got a little homework you're, there for you're you, gonna, Charlie. You're going <laughs> to fail uh, the last take if you uh, <laughs> remember the pass, if you don't come up with the name. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we are pretty much old wrapping up here. Uh, any last comments for anybody at any Chance? Oh, we got to give a shout out to Trevor's yeah, podcast. Yeah, thank you guys Talk for having it. me on. It's been a blast. Uh, we'll have to get you guys on. Uh, me and Jack Lyons have been trying to, we're hopefully posting our first episode of our podcast uh, two guys one foul pulled looking at the MLB um, have to get you guys on to hear your takes on some MLB we'll, stuff if you guys say, want we'll give to. you a free shout out on I'm sure Blake will do something on Twitter maybe. oh yeah and then yep. Yep. We'll, we'll do something on Instagram so yeah yeah we can't wait to listen yeah, for sure. And then uh, good good thing for shining yourself out in your own podcast name. So two guys in a foul pole, right? Two guys, one foul pole. Pause. That's a good one. <laughs> it's not, that's not a pause moment. But. Oh, <laughs> All right. We know, but. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, guys. And um, Trevor, thank you so much again for coming on. This is kind of a last mm-hmm. second thing, but thank you again for coming on. It's always nice when we can have a new guest come onto the show. You are mm-hmm. our third guest of all time. You're, lo- you're sitting next to our first guest who ended up becoming a full-time member and our second guest was Logan. Logan. So yeah. Yeah. It's been a just the third time. ever. Last I just say guess. listeners be ready. It's cause we're going to have like a crap ton of, uh, it's yes. Here in the next couple of weeks with school, you're coming down people and like begging to get on the show. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to have more. Also tune in on Saturdays, Saturday mornings at 9am. Not uh, this weekend. Not this weekend. We will be in Kansas city. Uh, but every Saturday at 9 a.m. We'll be on City FY. We'll be on a KRNU 90.3. So just tune in for that. If you uh, don't listen to podcasts, if you'd rather listen to the radio, that's another way to, that reaches out. Follow us on our Instagram at the last take. That's at the last take pod, all lowercase. Catch us on our Twitter at the last take 22 with TLT being capitalized. Look out for the takes. Yes, look out for the hot takes. Yep. And get and. Yeah, so signing off, it is Charlie, Blake, Mark, Trevor, Dylan, and Anthony Dumont. Have a good rest of your day, and we'll catch you on to the next one. Go, Dylan! Yeah, yeah.